The topic is bad certifications. So why don't we start by walking through your bad experience? Let's walk through a, a made-for-TV version. example. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This, isn't, this isn't one of those, uh, a like one of those recipe shows where we just say, here's what I made earlier. This is a real-life example, right? So we can maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, let's, let's retread that story. So, all right, basically, I decided to go ahead and get certified as a product owner through Scrum Alliance. CSPO. Right. CSPO. Yeah. Yep. And although I would have preferred to do that in person, just from a financial and timing perspective, I happen to have some time available over this next week. This was literally yesterday. I started the first day of two. This second day would have been actually completing right about now. Yep. And I don't have to be tending that second day because <laughs> it was that bad. So. A little bit of background is I do have product experience. I've been working in product as a product owner for five years, so I'm not coming in this as a brand new person. I do have scrum knowledge. I feel pretty confident in that. But that said, there were 19 people in this class, the majority of which had minimal to no knowledge. So this was the first time that they were being exposed yep. to this, right? So that's number one. At some point during this, I, and, and so I understood, all right, okay, he did a little survey, people were asking questions like, okay, oh, I see there's a lot of BAs and a lot of PMPs in this class, so we're gonna go ahead and guide it in that direction. My first thought was like, wah, wah. like I'm not a BA or a PMP, and all right, uh, but I'll go with the flow. And we went through lots of Scrum basic, literally the Scrum guide. Here's a person who talked to us for multiple hours, there was very little to no engagement with the actual audience of 20 people, including myself. And uh, first of all, there was an exercise that came up where he asked us to do a racy chart, essentially. It was just a quad. And in this quad, if you can imagine, one corner was an other group, one corner was a scrum master group, one corner was the PO, and one corner was the dev. And there were multiple then stickies that, it, that were things that we, he would ask us to place where they are most appropriate according to whose responsibility it was. And the one example was definition of done. So we woke up and went out into broke out, breakout groups and discussed this. Now I referenced the scrum guide and the scrum guide very clearly states on the next to last page if you want to look it up that if there is already a definition of done that has been established by your organization then that must be followed minimally if there isn't one established then it's up to the scrum team the entire scrum team to create the definition of done so when he was going through and talking about this he said it was up to the dev team to create the definition of done and i challenged him on this and i said well isn't it the scrum team's responsibility to do this because he was correcting our kind of chart. And so he went through and, and made a couple of references and basically said, well, no, it's actually the devs. And as a scrum master, I would need to uphold the devs opinion on this. And it would probably not be a bad idea for them to consult with. And I might encourage them to consult with the product owner, but that would really be up to them. And it's not up to me to tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing. So uh, again, I challenged him. I brought him to that specific comment page or you know, comment in the, in the actual scrum guide and asked him, I said, at this point, you've given me three different answers. Like basically 
the product owner's responsibility, the dev's responsibility, or coordination between the two. And I'm saying it's actually none of those. It should be the dev team, including Scrum Master product owner. Right. right. So here was the first experience. And then that ultimately led into a rant about Agile Alliance and how much he despised it, which I thought was so odd, being that he was providing a Scrum Alliance certification, but how much he hated it. And it was, they were awful and money hungry and all these things. And I had to kind of calm him down, going like, okay, there's benefits to all of these organizations. Not all of them are perfect. I happen to be a member of all of them, and I pull some good from all of these places. And then finally, towards the end of the day-long class, of which I spent eight hours still waiting to figure out what information am I going to get about a product owner since this is why I'm taking this class. And at this point now, I've spent eight hours and learned nothing about a product owner. So then we had a Q&A and I decided to stay back and kind of listen in and maybe ask a couple of questions. One of the questions, something came up about Jira from someone else and he went on a rant. And when I say a rant, whole crap a rant about how much he hated Jira. It is up to us as individuals to make sure we are in control of our own destiny. We make decisions and we should never choose a company that uses Jira. It is awful. It is there for management to do nothing more than to micromanage and to push down on the developers and to monitor them and to punish them. And right. And I agreed with him to some extent. And I said, you know what, I, I can tell you that I've seen these things happen. I have. But what I hear you saying over and over and over again, it was that there were people that were using it in this way. And so my objection is that the tool isn't the problem, but the people and the manner in which they're deciding to use it is the problem. And I also brought up thinking that there are 19 other people, most of which have zero experience, and he has just told them never to work for a company that uses Jira, which is the number one industry standard and now will limit their job pool exponentially. And I mentioned those things to him and he got very angry and basically said, it's up to you. You get to choose and I choose. I choose not to ever work for a company that uses Jira because it is awful and all these things. And I said, I'm very frustrated with Jira. I get that. but. I can't blacklist Jira. Every company that I've worked as a product owner has used Jira. Absolutely awful. And surprisingly so, because I did my research and realized in hindsight that honestly Scrum Alliance did a very poor job of representing, in my, this is just my opinion, I would hypothesize that the biographies and the information that is provided on the actual trainers are probably provided by the trainers or the train right, yeah, or the right. or the companies probably. that they work for. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah. And they're probably not validated either. Right. So yeah, that was my intensely horrible experience. So had I completed today's eight hours, which all you need to do to get your CSPO is just attend two eight hour days, I would have been awarded a CSPO badge and I could have proudly placed that on and said, I'm certified as a, as a product owner. However, my goal was not to go in and get the badge. I really did want to enrich myself and my career. So I chose to actually abandon the class and, and find 
another more valid trainer. That's a nice way of saying you staged a walkout. That's right. I did. I mean, well, so many questions. I have so many questions. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's a lot here, right? I don't know where to start. First of all, I'm proud of you for staging a walkout. I feel that I should, in some way, shape, or form, try to present the other side. I mean, I, I already know. I, I can already hear every corporate dirtbag I've ever worked for on the other side. Just keep your mouth shut and get your cert yeah, and no. go apply for your jobs. What's your problem? How come you can't just be for every person who like you who walks out, there's 18 other people that just kept their mouth shut and got their cert. That, that That's that's the arguing point of this yes. one that I can't like I feel I can bring up, but I can't really support. No. And that is exactly what I refuse. I mean, I refuse. I, I hope that at some point I will be able to be providing some quality education for other potential product owners or people who are looking to do kind of change in, in their organizations. And I want to do that through experience and learning from people who can, as I said, enrich me. And this was not that. Yeah. Yeah. So, given that certifications are a necessary evil, they're here to stay. I mean, mm -hmm. you just got to avoid that. The thing that's important here is this. If you look at the, the graph of the number of certificates or people that have been provided certifications and had their precious dollars robbed off of them, the graph has just gone up exponentially over the last few years. And my mind goes back to where it all started. This industry really mm -hmm. started with PMI. Initially, that graph was fairly flat. And people used to say, you know, I'm one of only 200 certified PMPs in the world. And it went from 200 to 1,000 to, I mean, just through the roof. Right, yeah. What's really a shame is the organization put out a goal saying, by this Christmas, we hope to reach 50,000. Who would be the 50,000th? Right, really? like, really? this is your goal, and 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 this is continuing with these other bodies, Scrum Alliance, sure. you know, um, Agile Alliance, anybody really, I, you name an alliance or, or yeah, certified Scrum. provider, Scrum. they're all in it for yeah. the money, and they really don't care. So as a result, they've got these trainers to your point earlier, out there that can stamp out certificates, and with COVID, I think that acted as the gasoline on this fire because people could stay home. People could get a certification from somebody who is of dubious quality uh, for, anywhere for, in the world. For a third of the price. For way, less yeah. than a third in, in places, these people are offshore. So if you're looking at it from your own perspective, you say, well, it's the same Agile Alliance certificate or Scrum Alliance certificate that I'm getting, but I'm getting it for a fraction of the price. And I don't have to travel. There's no flight costs, hotel costs. So consequently, the number of certified folks just went up even more through through the pandemic so yeah i understand all about do your research right and all of that stuff but that said if the bodies were really looking to put out quality in terms of people that can come out and, and practice their craft as opposed to just wave a certificate we wouldn't be in this spot unfortunately they're just in it for the money so it comes down to that mm. i believe that that's what i say the other thing is as far as these trainers they have to be certified themselves mm -hmm. and i personally believe there's a there's a huge gap here which is you can get a certificate by sitting in a class for two days get the next one get the next one there are many that you can get that way you may once in a while have to take a little test here and there and that's it at no point is it a requirement to have worked in the field well this the well that's that might not be true because the scrum alliance you have to prove a certain amount of expertise 
I remember when I took the ACSM, you have to prove that you worked as a scrum master or in a capacity that counted towards being a scrum master for, I don't remember what it was, 18 months. I don't, I don't remember it, it what it is, was. It is, you're something, right. Something like so that. It, there's I, a minimal I, I, requirement. Now, Let's I, just now, say that. now, I only have the entry PO cert because I, after taking the ACSM, I was like, I don't really see a lot of value in going back and getting the advanced or professional any, anything, quite honestly. Uh, so you're, you're right. I, I don't know what you need to go to the professional level above the advanced level. I don't you, know. What you need that is. you need the advanced certificate is what you need. Yeah, but I don't know how much more industry experience they require past. I'm not aware of it. I've I've gone through it. Oh, I'm not really? aware oh, okay. of it. What I don't what I know also is that from the professional getting up to CST, you do need to shadow people. You need to you need to get certain number of hours, as it were, coaching yeah. hours under your belt, yeah, yeah. etc. But that's academic. Mm-hmm. That is not practicing using the knowledge you've acquired for a living Mm -hmm. working for a company doing it in the field right i think that's lacking personally Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean look the pmi requires a thousand hours of something project admin something like that before they'll grant you a certificate Mm -hmm. yeah but that's not real work practicing as a project manager it's you're doing something to say i've worked essentially yeah which i think is a gap i really do i think if you are at the top level providing certificates as a certified trainer you need to have worked in the industry as that person for a while it's a, as a po for a number of years perhaps even led something senior in the company i i think that's fair mm-hmm. i don't know how you don't do that and still come out with the quality that's needed i, I can say with 100 percent certainty that for the cspo that this was a certified scrum trainer for Mm -hmm. product owners and he did not have any product owner experience firsthand now as a he was a scrum master and a developer practiced both knew the scrum guide forward and backward interpreted uniquely but knew the scrum guide but had zero uh, you know firsthand knowledge what what he did do was work with product owners as a scrum master, but that's not the same. That's not the same thing. Is that like a like a movie based on the book? Is that like that, a, really? a, a TV movie based on the book? Let me. T- I don't ever get to take the you can do a, it opinionated. For, yeah, you you go to the other side, Owen, because I need someone to back up my rant for a second. All right, <laughs> if you tell me that you're a developer and you're the scrum master for your team, I'm automatically suspect automatically I'm suspect because a lot of times I see uh, technical leads or in a supervisory level in development who plays the role of the scrum master they think that like that they think the scrum master's job is just to like run the meetings and go down the board and be like what are you working on what are you working on what are you working on how how come you hadn't taken this item you should be done with this item pick this next item up and that's what they think is a scrum master but beyond my my normal incendiary rant (laughs) because i'm on the heavily edited brian cam right now i i would challenge those people to say like have they ever climb the ladder in their organization to lobby for change? Have they ever in their organization connected with leadership to try to influence the way that product does roadmaps or to influence the way that budgets are done or to influence the, the way that teams are broken down or to lobby for small teams and, and to stay out of particular key discussions about the way certain things are developed mm-hmm. specifically? Like, have they done that while also serving in the capacity of scrum master. And usually I find out that's not true. No, they haven't. No, they, they're they just the boss with a new title because they think that's what most applies. That That's what I have seen. 
and I'll stand by that one. And I'll, I'm happy to die on that tail. I have experienced and witnessed the same, the the same thing. What's interesting is that I didn't know that the animosity that there is, the undertone of animosity that there is in so many organizations, and it may be something similar to what you're describing, between development and even scrum masters, and maybe it's scrum master slash developer integrated, and the product owner, where I have always worked truly as part of that scrum team and embraced that and worked collaboratively with my scrum master. And I'm finding that that's not necessarily the case where you've got the villain product owner who's the dictator trying to shove things down your throat. I, I mean, I haven't personally ever done that or learned to do that or experienced that. So that's just not the way I learned to work, fortunately. So I'm going to take the contrarian view because we have to. It's time. Arguing agile. It's, it's time. time. Yeah. Brian, anybody on the team could play the role of a scrum master. Why not a developer? Why not a tester? I'll tell Tester self-organizing, right? Uh, I'll take a tester over a developer mm. any, any day of the week because their their discipline lends itself to what a scrum master does. It empowers the team, unblocks the team, drives out into the organization for what the team needs rather than the developer because there is a chance with the tester, there's a chance of connect. Like the, I feel you need an extraordinary developer to be able to both see the technical domain in front of them, the business problem in front of them, and how it connects to what connects to the customer. There's three things. There's the, there's the internal tech, the, the internal team, the external to the rest of the business, but still in internal to the company, and then external from the company to the customer. There's three different viewpoints when you're talking about any one thing. And that person needs to see those three perspectives. So I guess what I'm saying, to, to wrap what I'm saying is, there needs to be, whoever is playing the role, <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing around, it's good to own land. Who, whoever's playing the role needs to have a certain level of empathy for a wide range of audience. Staying on the opposite stance, I'll say, isn't that what we have the POs for and product managers? They talk to the customers. They're the voice of the customer. We talk to them. They talk to the customer. I'm sorry. I wasn't wasn't listening. Say say that again. I'm sorry. I didn't catch any of that. So the pro- that the product owner was the yeah. advocate and the translator for the customer to the right. to the developer. So the developer doesn't need to t- think about that and have empathy for the customer. They're too ah, far removed. I'm sorry, wrong, I, wrong, I still wrong, I still didn't catch anything. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I in, 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 the, in the in the world that you brought up, somehow everybody on the team doesn't talk to the customer. Like that, that, that that's that's what's getting lost. So why why I'm losing what you're saying? Maybe in the editing it'll be more clear to what you're saying. Can you please restate what you just I said? I will restate. The developer who is playing the part of a scrum master, in this case, you're saying need to have empathy for the customer. Yes. And I'm saying as that developer taking on that hat, which is very uncomfortable, by the way, that <laughs> the, the developer would argue, why do I have to be empathic, empathetic with the customer? Isn't that the product owner's job? They, after all, are the voice of the customer. You, know, you, you tell us what and we'll figure out how and leave me alone. I'm going back to the basement with my team. Okay, you get you get him, Stormy, and then I'll jump on after I have him. <laughs> so, I, as a good more. product owner, so number one, I should be, or a good product owner should be involving the entire Scrum team 
with the customer. So one of the practices that I that I regularly enact is getting my development team and the scrum master, dependent on if they're uh, assigned directly to our team or potentially multiples, but getting them involved with regular interactions with the customer. And what I've found to be very effective is and beyond just the sprint review, so I'm talking about literally that that middle of the, so we get feedback loop, we're getting that feedback loop in sprint review, but as a product owner, in between those two weeks, I'm continuously going back or should have scheduled time to work with my friendlies or people that I am kind of checking in with and saying, here's what we're moving forward with. I might have some really low fidelity ideas. And that's a meeting that I have found intensely beneficial to bring my development team into and all of a sudden and oftentimes those development teams have never experienced anything like that so they're developing or we have an idea and i'm going to put it in front of a customer and i'm going to do kind of an a b test or i'm going to do some low fidelity type thing and go like tell me how you would use this tell me how you might how would you use this and all of a sudden they're seeing themselves get stuck because they have a modal popped up and it says start and right below it there's a start on the bottom of the screen and they're going i'm confused which start and all mm-hmm. of a sudden i have a developer that's going like oh i can see why that would be confusing for the end user sure. light bulbs are going off so i think that's on the product owner to absolutely should be on the product owner everyone should be empathizing with the end user that's who we're building for and all of a sudden oh my gosh, the mind shift change of that development team. Mm -hmm. So that's been amazing. Number two, just a point that I wanted to make to yours, and that is that if you have a good scrum master and you have a scrum master who is instilling all of the knowledge and values and truly helping your team embody whatever framework you happen to be using, but agile principles or scrum or XP or Kanban, whatever it is, I mean, ultimately they should be working themselves out of the job, out of a job, right? So ultimately we should have a development team that can be able to make those decisions and facilitate a meeting because they are mature enough or have become mature enough to do that. Right, so if you've got a good scrum master and you've got a mature team, there is definitely a possibility that you could have a team that is able to be self-functioning in that way without necessarily the overarching constant eye of a scrum master. So while I agree with everything you said, I'm gonna stay on this side. I'll put on my defensive posture. So as a developer, (laughs) you're saying why are things not getting done in the sprint, but then you involve me with all these meetings with the customer and everything else, and it's a waste of time really for developers. That's somebody else's job. You take the Scrum Master if you want, take the BA, just leave us developers alone. What do you say to that? So, I mean, we should be, so we're empirical, right? Oh, I was gonna say you're fired. Get (laughs) get off my team. No, so I'm gonna meet you where you are. So try to figure out why is it that you're feeling that way, right? So you are pushing back because do you not have enough time? You know, you're feeling stressed. You don't have enough time to get done what you need to get done. Your needs aren't being met. You don't have the tools you need. I mean, what is it about this? Do we not have trust, right? Have I not created that trust? And you don't see the value in it because maybe you haven't tried it. So I'm going to meet you where you are and say, you know what? Let's have an experiment come to, and I'm not asking you to do this every week or multiple times a week, maybe once a sprint, maybe once every other sprint, 
right? So that you can stay, stay related. And what I have never had a team that didn't get so much out of those meetings and feel like, and have light bulbs go off and go like, wow. So I would ask you and say, you know what? I hear what you're saying. And I would try to do a little of exploration and figure out where are you coming from? You're pushing back and I wanna try and figure out why. And whether I can or not, I'm gonna ask you to trust me and just come to one. See if we can get some value out of that, and then we're gonna talk about it in the retrospective. Okay, well, I'm gonna stay on this side just for this one last bit. It's very <laughs> uncomfortable here. Okay, Stormy, I, I can do that, but you know, my matrix manager wants me to log the hours I do and what I'm doing. How do I log this? I just spent time with the customer. I'm not developing, so I'm afraid I'm gonna be judged because they're the ones that are judging me evaluating me, etc. So that's going to come down badly on me. I won't get the raise I want because they're going to see fewer hours worked. My hands on keyboard. Okay. Well, they're know? they're fired too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, now I hear I hear I hear an issue with psychological safety here immediately. So, I would be collaborating at this point probably with the scrum master. That's an impediment for you. Right, so I'm hearing some issues with trust and psychological safety. I, dependent on the dynamics in the office, it might be something that I feel comfortable kind of addressing, you know, interacting individually. It may be something that I want to, and probably most appropriate for me to get the scrum master involved and make sure that they're aware and see if we can speak to this person and make sure that they understand where we're coming from, make sure that they get on the right page with us so that you're not feeling the pressure that you're gonna be somehow punished, right? And so we can come back to you and say, you know what, this has been cleared, we've got it okayed, we've created a bucket for you to put your time in. So that's probably how I'd address that. All right, I'm off the other side. I don't like being there. Yeah, I, know. I know. I don't know how you do it week yeah, in, week yeah, out. I know. What are your thoughts? I don't have any thoughts. I, I, my, you have so many My thoughts. mind is a, a quiet rage at this point. You guys just, you've funneled down to the Scrum Master's job of driving around the organization to figure out like, wait a minute, is this person's development manager looking at them from the perspective of how many hours are you punching into an actual development work doing versus doing you know, quote, non-development work or, or non-productive work. I, I got to put it that way, right? Right. Like, it's not non-productive. Like, I, I as a product owner would be, what's the word, in, incised? Is that the word? Inside, like, uh, incensed, incised? I don't know. Incensed? No, yeah. I don't, yeah. Incentivized? I, like, I, I, I would be, no, I, 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 uh, enraged would be my yeah, clear yeah. word. I, in a matrix organization, I have to assume that my developers that are on my team as a product owner are under the supervisory level of some development manager or director of development or somebody somewhere else and then maybe my testers are under some test manager or something like that sure and maybe all the product owners are under one product and maybe maybe the scrum masters are under whatever if we actually have if we're lucky enough to have scrum masters maybe they're under some agile coach or something like that organizationally or maybe developers just people are playing their role half time or whatever part time and we don't really have any <clears throat> the nice thing about organizations like that like i used to not like organizations like that because I feel that they, if they're not valuing the role of having somebody as an organizational change agent full time, they really don't understand. They don't really understand agility and they don't really care about improving. And all that stuff is just like nonsense to them. You know what I mean? It's fluff. I, I don't know a better way to explain. I used to think that way. And then I still sort of think that way. <laughs> but when my developers are so, like ask me like, hey, what, what, other than running the events, what, what should I be doing as a Scrum Master? I'm like, well, you should be climbing in the organization 
to your next supervisory level and the level above that to implement change that helps our team, that mm-hmm. unblocks our team. And if one of the blockers of our team is, for example, oh, we're all measured individually with the number the n- number of check-in, check-outs or whatever. Right. Lines, no, of code. lines of code yeah, or something yeah. like that. We're all yeah. individually measured. At the end of the year, our performance is measured based on that or the number of bugs or something like that. We all work as a team and everything gets checked in and it needs a couple of code review, check off, whatever on the PR and you know, a couple different people to approve the PR or whatever. Approvals, that's what it's called. It like, is called that. It, why are the metrics, the hard metrics I'm being judged by, why are they one way and then the entire way that I work day to day is a completely separate, is completely separated from what I'm judged on. So, you know, so the, the, I should be judged on the teamwork the whole team and then the mm-hmm. bonuses and all that stuff should be collective as a team and then the, the the pushback on that i already know the pushback on that you don't so you don't need oh, oh so you don't need to you don't I've need to yell at the pushback the, the pushback <laughs> of that one is the pushback of that one is like well what happens if somebody slacks on the team well why don't you leave that to the team to, mm-hmm. to deal figure with. it out yeah you know why don't you leave that to the team to deal with and then and then like you you don't think that the test manager is not going to hear the gripes of the team members saying like my test person is super slow you don't think that the development manager who owns all owns <laughs> all the developers across the whole organization is not going to hear that you got one developer that's super slow whatever you don't think they're going to hear that like the, 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 what you're trying to solve doesn't it, even warrant yeah, solving it, it doesn't even yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, first of all it's not your problem to solve right. it now is a manager in the organization's problem to solve it always was first of all it always was this is this is the whole reason to have management in the organization if we roll the clocks back to 1913 and we go all the way back to the core of the original management in organizational design like those managers job was to see who was and was not doing as prescribed on the checklist and then to, to call them out on it and to deal with things so why would you go and create a chart that says I'm going to go pick up pig iron and it should take 56 steps to go from that pile to the train car to drop it off and I've got one employee who takes 80 steps and takes three times longer than the other employees you've documented it you know how long it takes a normal employee you know that person's not cutting it why are you not stepping in and doing your job not like now we've 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 taken this discussion of like, you know what I mean? <laughs> We've taken the discussion back to, to, to the core of where a lot of our discussions go to is like, why does management know this problems and they don't do anything about right, it? Right, right. No, I spot think on. we're getting way away from some of the agile principles we're <laughs> yeah, talking about. You're right. Elf self-organizing teams. You're and right. uh, so the opportunity to say within a team, typically we have different levels of expertise, people who have different different experience levels, different interests. And typically I have found, left to their own devices, teams actually find great ways to create that balance. Now, if you have somebody coming in and just truly being dead weight and not pulling pulling their weight rather than someone who's just trying hard or maybe been assigned something that they're just not good at or not aware of, and then you have a team 
I mean, I've seen multiple teams where we have somebody who's more junior and they will pair program with somebody who's more senior. And all of a sudden now we have a stronger team for it. This is not something that I would step in on or ask management to step in on. And if we do, we have created already a break in trust micromanagement and we're going away from the principles that we want to instill in these teams. I'll give you the opposite of that from a product perspective. I was at an organization one time where I was product manager and I was not in charge of hiring in any way, shape or form any of the developers on the team. I don't remember the organization, the director of development, some, somebody on that, that level, the director of development. So the director of development hired all of the developers and I was the product manager. And I had two teams at that organization and the director of development purely used offshore talent all the developers were offshore and all the developers that were offshore were also there there were some there there was a mix of senior and junior devs but the way that this director of development hired he hired front-end developers and he hired back-end developers and there were there was like one or two people on the whole team or or, uh, across both teams there was like there was like one or two i can't remember that were like full what you would think of as full stack developers so there was like one i would probably say there's one there was one full stack developer and everybody else was either a front end or a back end developer and as the product person i basically had to plan not only that like we went through a team split where there was one giant team that went into two separate teams but i had to go through and i had to say well when i'm going through a team split I have to make sure that I have either a balance of front end, back end, because you can't have just one team be a front end, all the front end developers on one team. So I was like, each team has to be able to be handed a business problem and to be able to solve the full business problem, both front end and back end, right? I, of course, would have preferred both of my teams to be just completely staffed with full stack developers so that I can hand them a problem and it doesn't matter who works on it. But that, that was an example where I had to deal with sort of a constraint because when I was bringing work in, I had to make sure that there was the back end, front end, we're talking to each other when we were going through playing. Like I, I might have written a story and then let the developers split it out between back end and front end between the two of them. But uh, I don't think I was telling the story because you don't always have control as the product owner about these things. But, but every time that we had a, a session with the executives, like a, like a higher level product session like a product management type of session of like this is what we're doing and whatnot like i would highlight because you've chosen to spend less money by hiring more junior developers that have to do this front and back end stuff that's why we have to proceed in this fashion mm-hmm. where I'm, ba- I'm basically moving half as fast because i have uh, from the perspective of like yes we're spending half the cost on developers but we're basically moving half as fast because we only have one developer who can do a back end task and then that task has to sit while the front end developer codes it and then it can't go out we are doing agile development inside the sprint, but it's sort of like component-based teams. Yeah, it's tough. So I actually had a fantastic experience. I don't know if this would have worked where you were at, but that used in a similar case. Now this was, uh, it would be different, a, a bit different. So this was Greenfield. We were, we ended up, we had five teams product owners, mm-hmm. we had created the, the roadmap and, and yeah, the beginnings of the roadmap and had decided which big portions of that we were going to 
be responsible for. We literally had an MVP deployable, something that we were going to deploy within three months, an actual product, and then building on that over the, the following year. And we had we decided to have self-selecting teams. And the manner in which we did this, so each of us as product owners came together. We knew generally what we needed to solve in the next three, six, nine, and 12 months, in, or in what order, yeah. right? And we came up with a rough way to do that, a rough roadmap. We decided and, and kind of figured out, okay, what's the level of work? What's our expertise? What are we interested in doing? And then we came up with a general idea of kind of buckets of things that we wanted to be responsible for. Then we held a half day session where we bought all of our development teams that were already on team and in an effort to kind of use change management and change so get them in the mindset of change management we decided to change from teams to squads right so using the spotify terminology but it helped us get into that change mindset sorry you said spotify <laughs> yeah let's continue so it's not a model right but we use terms right so the the point there though was to actually use a different term which got us into the the mind the the change mindset right mm -hmm. so all right so we went from teams to squads each product owner went up and presented, here's my mission. This is what I am attempting to accomplish. Here's generally the timeline that I'm going to accomplish and, and, and you know what I want to accomplish. Sure. Then each of us went to a table and we did have leadership there and they laid some ground rules and they're like, all right, developers, now what we need to accomplish and who's responsible for what. We're gonna give you half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever. You're gonna go around, talk, meet, decide, where do you wanna work? What do you wanna work on? Whom do you wanna work with? Mm -hmm. It's up to you to make sure the teams are full stack, are balanced in regards to their, their experience. Mm -hmm. So they gave some ground rules and they said, if you can't do it on your own, then management will step in and leadership will step in yeah, and yeah. need to reorganize. Yeah. I will tell you at the end of that half day, we didn't have to reorganize anything. As a matter of fact, we had someone who was senior and looked over and saw a team that was just mostly junior devs and said, ah, man, they're gonna struggle. And he's like, you know what, let me switch. Took that on himself. It was an amazing experience. And here's what, we, what happened there was they had ownership. Like all of a sudden they, they had ownership, right? They were able to immediately be involved, engaged, trust was established. Like it was amazing all of these, these intangible things that ended up happening. That's obviously not possible in all scenarios, but gosh, if you can do it, I, I just can't even describe the experience and how absolutely fantastic it was. That's great to hear because in, in most organizations, especially large ones, you don't have that luxury. You get handed mm -hmm. a list of crew. Like, this is your team now. Uh, I was going to say, like, my experience has been the opposite. Like, the more, the more senior developers that are in charge of things like that or that have influence into things like that, they'll want to hand down things from team to team. Like, they, they, they'll want to take away the empowerment of teams. Uh, they, like, it's funny because they do it to themselves. And then they'll turn around and complain about, about POs doing whatever or setting unreasonable deadlines when, when they are the ones committing to the unreasonable deadlines in the first place. The experience that you went through 
I could, I could, I could tell. I was gonna say smell. I could tell that this this trainer's background was more technical bent. Oh yeah, and he definitely wasn't a PO. Like yes. maybe he was a developer. I don't know, but he was. yeah. But I could tell because I would expect a a class led by a product person to have a completely different tone than a class led by a developer or, or a scrum master for that matter, actually. Because mm-hmm. because if you think about the entry-level CSM and the entry-level CSPO, I, again, I went through both of them. I, I, in my experience, probably 75%. I don't, I don't know how much the actual curriculum, but I, I re, and it was a while ago too. So I recall about 75% of the content between the CSM and the CSPO is basically shared. Mm-hmm. So you take one, you're not really, you're, you're getting a lot of duplication of learning mm-hmm. once you go to the other one. But I would say that there, if the PO classes were actually led by people who did the PO job, assuming that they had, assuming that they had some kind of say over the, you know, that the the, the curriculum is not mandated in some, you mm-hmm. know, a certain amount of the curriculum is probably mandated in some yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. But assuming they could blow through that quickly and get on to the part that you actually care about, I would say you probably would have a different experience. Agreed. Uh, I have no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really almost I feel like that should be a prerequisite. I mean, how many how many classes do you go to where you have instructors that don't have experience in the subject that they are teaching? Unless you're a coach teaching science in a high school kind of thing. But you know, I mean, <laughs> Coach Khan, shout out to you. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, I think that would make the difference. And then to your point, as far as the overlap. And I think there's some, so number one, I think that one of the ways that to, that could really benefit to your point is to require some actual working knowledge, some industry working knowledge, working in that role, number one. And number two, since you mentioned there is so much overlap and what I can tell you is from my experience just eight hours yesterday, almost all of it was spent on the scrum guide, Mm -hmm. which I think probably had a lot to do with the fact that this was a developer who was also a scrum master and knew the scrum guide and exactly where to point to this and that. So that was kind of, that was his safe space. That's what he knew. Mm -hmm. But for instance, the CSM, which is the certified scrum master, which is all about the scrum guide, yeah, 100% front to back, if that were a prerequisite, now we create that baseline knowledge as a prerequisite and cannot have all of that duplication and actually start diving into the meat and potatoes of yeah. product ownership. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting interesting proposition that a CSM would be a prerequisite for CSPO. I certainly agree. You need a baseline level of knowledge to build upon when we go into a class because not everybody's on the same page, right? When, when you had 18 people, 19 people in your mm-hmm. class, not everybody is at the same place. So they have to cover a certain amount. I understand mm-hmm. that. If you had to mandate a CSM, some POs, some wannabe POs may say, why do I have to do that? I just want to pursue a PO role, not scrum master so why do i have to do a csm class first right that i have to pay for mm-hmm. so perhaps a way out kind of like a compromise might be that and this is true um, what i'm about to say i would say is true of not only a cspo class but also a csd mm-hmm. or a csm even right mm-hmm. is 
to have a prerequisite of the Azure Fundamentals class, mm -hmm. which is where they cover all the basics, fundamentals of mm -hmm. Azure, to bring everybody at that level. And then when you go in, if you're a developer taking a CSD class, you can focus on that. If you're a CSPO, you focus on that. CSM, you focus on that. That might be a way out. The other way, if you're mandating a CSM is, yeah, the Scrum Alliance will be happy, I'm sure, because they're getting more money, right? But a lot of the attendees may not be because they're mm -hmm. having to spend money on two certifications mm -hmm. when all they wanted was a CSPO. It's yeah. just something to think about. I don't know, man. I'm thinking about the, thinking about what the arguing point to this would be, and I'm not coming up with anything great. Like, I, but the 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 thing that I'm coming up with that's great is just delete the middle tier certifications. Like, de delete them. Oh, don't don't actually don't delete them. De delete the first tier certifications. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. and replace them with the CSM. Yeah. Okay. And so everyone, like, what would be the the arguing point is like, well, what would be the advantage of having your POs have to go through them first? Like, they wouldn't want to do that because they don't care about CSM. I'm like, eh, yeah. That, I mean, I I understand kind of what you're saying, but this CSPO is a retread of the CSM anyway. Mm -hmm. So you might as well learn the rules of the game that you're operating in first. And uh, like you're basically saying like everybody should know the rules of the game. The developer, Scrum Master, team member, whatever, you know, I mean, the PO, doesn't matter. You should know the rules of the game. You should know their events. Here's what happens at the events. Here's how to facilitate the events. Here's what is expected during each one. Here's what you look for. I don't even know what the basic one does anymore. Like here, here's the basic things that. leadership should be looking for. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's all of that. That's um, what it's in the Azure Fundamentals like, course. Super basic type of stuff. But then the step up from that for a Scrum Master are these Advan uh, what you get in the advanced CSM class. And so the step up from that for Scrum Master is here are some advanced facilitation tactics. Mm -hmm. Here are some ways to engage your leadership. Here are some ways to climb in the organization without getting blocked or here are some basic coaching mm -hmm. skills to try to, to, to advance relationships and do, you know what I mean, that, that kind of stuff. Whereas the PO side of that beyond the how to facilitate ceremonies, whatever you want to call them, right? Event ceremonies. I mean, what, what the basic framework is, the next step up for a PO from that is how do you manage a backlog? How, how do you better split stories? Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you take some of these, some of the things we talk about, spike stories and stuff like that that aren't really well-defined. Like how do you take things when your team is not punching out the exact same widgets every time where everything can fall into the same complexity box at the same time? Like how do we deal with the situations where we have to deal with ambiguity in the situation? Like that, that kind of advanced stuff. You know what I mean? That's what I think of for, for uh, and then I don't know what you get with the, the professional level cert because mm -hmm. I, I don't have the professional level cert. I mean, look, I think if you just reduce the middle layer, as you suggest, mm -hmm. one of the things they have to do, in my opinion, is to then mandate a certain level of experience before you can get to that. Sure. Because you don't want people that take a class and then next weekend they take the next one, right? Uh, the advanced one. That's not going to serve them any good. Mm -hmm. Or the industry. So mm -hmm. yeah, that could work potentially. But go back to the providers of these papers, <laughs> right? It's, it's less money when the minute you eliminate one of them. Yeah, I get that. Um, so that, that's probably not going to happen either. I, I get that. But this is like, uh, this, this, is, this is my pie in the sky oh, version yeah. of it. It would be nice if 
like scrum alliance for them just picking one out of the air well, like on their website they will tell you this person has x amount of experience in in the product owner role the problem with that is like you you would have to dig deeper to to double check yeah. you'd have to go to their linkedin you i don't even know where you <laughs> run a background check require fbi mm-hmm. fingerprinting i don't i don't know how deep you can get in this there's a certain amount of of like that would be the that would be the counterpoint to like well don't pick a bad trainer huh? <laughs> you know what i mean that that would be the counterpoint to that yes yeah. um, i agree absolutely and being recently on the Scrum Alliance website and trying to research trainers, there isn't any opportunity to do ratings on Scrum Alliance. So some of the trainers have links to like Trustpilot or Google yeah. reviews, yeah. but there's nothing on the Scrum Alliance website yeah. that allows you as a student to rate a trainer, period. Yeah, I would think that's on purpose. I, I mean, I was just I'm sure, say that. but... Yeah. But I mean, uh, but yes, unfortunately, that is tarnishing their, I mean, if from I just imagine that's tarnishing their name. I mean, it is. Uh, we don't, well, is the, it? We is don't it? the crappy well, ones. Well, well, is it? Because on, hang all on. these scrum trainers are stamping out certs and paying them money. But, so <laughs> I can bring this back to something that's very real for everybody listening to the podcast, which is why I hate social media. Like I, I hate social media because it like I'll, I'll I don't know which one to pick on. Uh, I, I want to pick on Instagram. I want to pick on LinkedIn. I, I want to pick on LinkedIn because I feel they've just taken the bad ever since Microsoft bought them. They they've been taking the bad from all over the place. Uh, but I want to pick on Instagram because like Instagram used to be like just you take pictures of things and like I I remember having an Instagram account when they're like you couldn't even I didn't even think you could write text. It was, it literally was just pictures. You know, and people would like your pictures, and I'm like, "This is cool. It's just you take pictures and you post them. There's not, there's no, there's no drama involved." And I was like, "It's really cool. It's like a, it was a thing for photographers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. It was like that yeah. type of social, like a sort of like Flickr way back in the day. It's like the the photographers' social media with like filters and stuff like that. So, but like now, it's the, they want to be TikTok. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They, because they're like, oh, we like money and we want people to stay in the app because that that is the that is the metric that we've rallied behind of mm-hmm. time for users in the app in one session." And we will literally burn our entire app to the ground to increase the time that people spend in the app. And the experience is garbage. It's just, it's nothing but yeah. ads now. Yeah. So uh, again, like <laughs> the reason I kind of bring that up is like it, the, the, what your company prioritizes kind of ch- changes the whole experience until the whole product is garbage. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that's, again, if the only thing you care about is like, well, we got our money. Mm-hmm. I, every time they turn in a training class, they're sending us our, our 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 bucks. So I think you can make money and still be ethical. And I think there's actually an ethical issue here too, in the sense that, yeah, okay, they're making money, but with these subpar trainers and with the experience that I had yesterday with 19 other people in the room, the majority of which this was their intro into Agile, Scrum, mm-hmm. product, period, they don't know what good is, so their ex- their basis of what good is is what they experience. Their basis of yep. what Agile and Scrum is is what they saw, and I know that not to be true, just because I've been in I've been in this for a little while. I'm not right. some OG like you guys, right? You've yeah. been a lot longer than me, but long enough to know that what I saw was a bunch of BS. So it's just a matter of time. If we're churning out these people who are being trained in a subpar manner, they are ultimately, 
you, they're ending up over a period of time just eliminating themselves, right? At, at what point do we surpass? So you said exponentially they've been growing as far as trainers. Right. What percentage of those trainers actually meet any particular level, which by the way, we don't have any way to gauge that, yeah, yeah. Right? right? So what benchmark is any one of those actually meeting to train these people properly? And those that are falling below that benchmark and the people that are walking away, trained and now certified and now on their new way to become the next trainer, this is getting watered down and, and worse and worse. And we wonder why we have companies who can't grasp Agile like, right, we can't have, we, we're, we're churning out people that don't freaking know what it is. Let me add gasoline before you, yeah, sure. before you jump on that one, because I want to I I crowbar this into the topic of, we've gone to training with people like this in training classes like this, where I'm like, I'm very worried about these people going into industry mm-hmm. with what they've taken away from this class. And those people move into director of agile development roles or you know I mean, high, high level roles in organizations because they've got 15 certs or whatever you know what i mean right. under the belts that they've gotten in within the course of six months and they become the face of industry i wanted to crowbar this into the category of these people will come onto companies in high level positions over time and they will be the ones to hire people. Or or the other thing is companies looking to like, oh, like, oh this Agile thing. We got to get this Agile thing going on. Like they'll look to hire these people and they'll look to the market and they don't have anything to grasp onto. They don't know how to hire good candidates in these positions. So they'll more certifications, the better. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, so the, the, the problem propagates past the, the, the certification industrial complex into industry, and now industry gets diluted down. Yes. Okay, I, I talk, when I ever, I talked, I, I, I seriously talk to headhunters every, probably every two weeks, I will be talking to headhunters. And they're just, they don't know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. The companies they were trying to recruit for don't know what they're looking for. Absolutely. And I don't mind sitting down, I'm not really looking for a job, but I, I don't mind sitting down and talking with them and talking about like, hey, these are the questions you should be asking. These, these are the red flags you should be looking for. Actual experienced candidates that you're gonna be getting, these are the things that if you find that they're, you, they're not gonna look for these positions. Like they, they're gonna run from these, if these situations are happening, yeah. they're gonna run from these positions. And like, may, like um, you, maybe you can take it way, way, way back to like the first 10 minutes of the podcast. Like maybe if you help, I don't know, recruiters are just, recruiters that are just trying to put butts in seats and collect their 20% or whatever, 50% right. or whatever they're trying to get, like maybe they don't, they could care less like whatever dude i'm getting paid leave me alone mm-hmm. right you it's know? possible but that that's the thing like the, the the problem with the training body only caring about money is they're not helping industry at that point so mm-hmm. it's the same thing with college you know what i mean just yeah. just just taking people's money and churning out degrees you're not helping industry you're just saddling people with a bunch you're basically taking people's money and you're not giving them something that's going to be valuable if we're going, if I'm going to put a product slant, sure. I would be remiss if I didn't mention what I think might be worth trying as a remedy to this situation is go back to the old days of journeymen and women, work with somebody, yeah. forget the certifications. That's right, forget them. I said, right, Uh-oh. go back, work with somebody for years, work there, and then have that person vouch for you. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, he's good. No, he's not. Yeah, he yeah. can catch a f- fly with one chopstick. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. that is the only way. I, don't <laughs> no know. No I way. think I keep thinking one about Mister Mister Miyagi. Oh, hey, you want a challenge? Yeah, one <laughs> just one chopstick. Right? Seems anyway, excessive. Yeah, a little, little excessive. That was Bruce Lee, not not Mister Miyagi. Yeah, one chopstick was. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, I think it's worth thinking through this, right? We, while we still have a few people that can actually do the job, yeah, is for them to take under their belt you know some of these people bring them in and groom them uh, yes i'll use that word because i mean that in that way mm-hmm. and groom them through the trade mm-hmm. you know and then have them come out and do the same thing mm-hmm. the only thing that flies against this approach is volume you don't have certificates you don't have mm-hmm. volume there are only a few people that can do this and do it justice mm-hmm. yeah that's what i'll say I love that you said that, and I will tell you that actually is something that I have been desperately looking to find an in for over the last, I would say, I don't know, six or eight months, because, you know, after I've decided to kind of move towards this mission, just, I love to teach because I love to learn and the more that I teach, the more I learn, the more relevant I stay. I just enjoy it, And, and I always have. but. I want to be somebody good. And so my goal has been to try to find, for instance, consulting agencies or maybe that has some kind of a a leveling approach where they bring you in and allow you to work with a team yeah. so you know, you can really learn the ropes. Now, I mean, I have a, a great understanding. I have confidence. I can get up. I can talk. But I want to do it right. And I don't want to have to use clients as, I, I refuse to use clients as guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to perpetuate what I have for, by firsthand experience experienced as a, a huge problem in this industry as of yesterday. Well, hats off to you for, for taking a stance there because most people don't. So first of all, kudos for that. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yes. I think Scrum Alliance is missing a truckload of money right there. I think, uh, again, I think if we're going to dip into fixes for a second, because I totally want to get to talking about Jira. If we're going to dip into fixes for a second, talking about how can we help companies um, be more aware and to be more, I guess, effective in their hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there probably should be some kind of base level. I, I think the base level entry, though, I don't know if I agree with retitling it as like Agilist or whatever. I would want anyone who goes through the base level entry to be able to conduct the sessions, to be able to conduct the events, mm-hmm. to, to understand the importance of each event, to be able to explain each event, and to be able to actually run them should, should they be designated as the person to run them. I, I would expect you could come, and honestly, you probably could like a day, mm-hmm. and maybe, to, mm-hmm. to, to, these are the events, this is how to run them, mm-hmm. a day, yeah. I, I don't, Two day, so I mean, no, almost like day. a mock kind of thing. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've d- I've done mock interviews for other reasons, not particularly in that manner, but I've had to do presentations, and I yeah. mean that would make sense to me. Are you guys familiar with Stefan Wolpers? Yes. Yeah. So he has some great information out there. I mean, in regards to specific interview questions for Scrum masters, for product owners, and yeah. how to kind of like weed out the imposters, so to speak. But they really get into not just definitions, but situations, right? Mm-hmm. So in this situation, what would you do? And so mm-hmm. it gets you into some more critical thinking and going like, oh, all right, this is somebody who's done this before. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so he has some great material out there. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to come at it from, from the perspective of, if we're gonna train the whole organization, mm-hmm. well, like we need to encompass the whole organization. We need to encompass 
okay, here, here are the basics. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to be a scrum master, right? Maybe a day out of that. And then now if we're gonna branch off into specialities, and what, what I think of is like the advanced versions. Again, I don't know what's in the professional, so they, they could knock my socks off for professional, and I, I could totally be like, oh, I'm wrong completely. Professional is a whole different world. I kind of suspect it's not, but uh, who knows? I could be wrong. I'm kind of, I would branch out to say there should be like a, I also don't know what's in the developer track. There should be a PO track, an advanced scrum master track, like some, some kind of advanced facilitator and change agent, et cetera, et cetera, servant leader. Maybe a developer track with whatever they have in development. I don't know what they have in that track right now. And then maybe the leader track, maybe the certified agile leader track encompasses HR, the matrix type manager and their role in organizations, how finance, uh, budgeting. finance and budgeting mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe targeting more as managers. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like you still need to do the CSM first. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you jump straight into that and don't know how any of the events work. Mm-hmm. So just to learn about those kinds of things like events and you know what Scrum is all about, mm-hmm. you don't need to do a CSM. You can right. do a fundamentals, which is right. only one day, and it covers all of these things. So kind of a different prerequisite. So basically that prerequisite that requires you to gain an understanding of Agile and whichever framework or maybe multiple frameworks dependent on what certification you're going for. But yeah, to get those baselines in. And I think that would be applicable to each and every certification. You must understand those things. That's exactly where I'm coming from. Because it covers Scrum and Kanban. Yeah. It doesn't cover everything, but it's enough to start with. Yeah. And it's a one day. Plus, the biggest thing is, it's not a certificate. So you can attend it. It's it's for free. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's a CSP, or I believe, yeah, a CSP, CSP Scrum Master or a CSP PO is entitled to teach one of these classes. Mm-hmm. So oh, that makes sense. And you know what? If it's going to be a free class, it should probably be an online and maybe even recorded or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be live, and should require some kind of testing, I think, too. So some kind of anyway. I think we're getting all. Yeah, you know, we don't need to plan out this this whole no. thing. But one of the other thing I wanted to Brian, I, a point I wanted to make is that. None of this works unless you have leadership truly engaged in making a cultural change. Unless, I mean, there are certain situations where that's not necessarily true. So you can have an organization where you actually have kind of like a little microcosm, like you're also almost a mini organization yeah. where you're broken off. And sometimes that is a development section where you're isolated from or even protected from kind of business. Mm-hmm. But if that's not the case, but even if it is, you still got leadership that's going to be on like, okay, when are we getting what? We're paying for this. You know, their leadership must be involved, engaged, and you talked about making this kind of organizational or looking at this from an organizational perspective. I think that's numero uno. You have to have leadership involved, engaged, have an understanding, and truly truly being the change agents. So we need to figure out, so then they would need to figure out why. Why are we doing this? Because we heard Agile is cool and we're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing this? Or what problems are we actually trying to solve? So we need to get management on board with determining that. And then they can buy into, all right, we're gonna make this change, we're gonna lead this change, and we're gonna be help to be the change agents yeah. for it. So when you were talking about having the entry level be like an agile fundamental class, right? I was gonna say, I, I, I was gonna take that one and argue about it, 
But now that you've introduced, there, there are some prerequisites organizationally in order to be effective that we might as well not bother doing, trying to do scrum or whatever combo, any kind of agile, anything, if we're not doing. Like there, there's some there's some base level stuff that we have to do. So I started changing my mind. What, what I was going to say originally was I want everyone to go through the CSM because the CSM has some floor level understanding. Like you got to have teams, mm-hmm. you got to have products, you got to you have teams that maintain the products. If you're not doing that, like the whole model falls apart. So maybe I want everyone that comes in to go through the CSM first. Mm-hmm. That That's kind of where I'm going back to. And kind of my brain is now anchoring on that because you brought it up and it made sense in my mind. And now I'm stuck on that idea. And the reason is because no matter where you sit in the organization, no matter if you're C-level executive, no matter if you're a single developer on a single team, no matter if you're on an enabling team that's scaled across, you have seven teams that work for you and you're on an enabling team, and you're, you're like you're a team of leads and you have a, a bunch of teams that work under you and you just kind of pop in, pop out as they need stuff. It doesn't matter where you're at in the organization. You are doing Scrum or Kanban, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Scrum or Kanban, one or the other. You're doing Scrum or Kanban at some level. Mm-hmm. So everywhere in your organization, even at the C-suite, you're doing probably a Kanban, executive Kanban level, right. right? Program leads level, you might be doing Scrum, you might be doing Kanban, whatever. You need certain base level entry skills. You need to know what the Scrum Master's job is because at any time you could be called on on that team to do the Scrum Master's job or you might be doing Kanban in support of other teams doing Scrum, but at your level in the program, you're doing Kanban. So you need to understand the correct way to do Kanban, mm. the, the proper way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Correct correct has connotations. So whatever. You, you kind of understand. At a, at, and I think the further up in the organization, the more important it is to understand the, the process that your teams at, at lower and lower levels in the organization, that you understand the processes they're using. So you know what processes are using. So the appropriate, most effective way to go about communicating with them. That's a much better way of nice saying, say. yeah, not not to, to not make stupid requests. But if I put, I'll put on my hat that I don't like. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Most organizations are doing that. Before we were doing Agile, we were doing Waterfall, and we had project managers, and now the Scrum Masters. We got them. Same people. Forget about leadership. Right? That doesn't, these it, doesn't make any job. sense. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. So you don't have an empowered Scrum Master. You don't have an empowered product owner unless you have leadership that's going to empower them and respect them. I think to your point, I'm like going back to that. I, I'm buying into your CSM kind of double yeah, it's, down it's, because yeah, it's the entry. It's like it's it's the price you got to pay to enter the dance. Like right. you, you need to know. The, the, you need to know how to dance before we let you in. Mm-hmm. Like we can't have a bunch of clowns around the dance floor who aren't going to be involved in dancing because we'll just have a bunch of dudes standing around. You need to know how to dance to get in. That's your price of admission. Mm-hmm. We're having a hard enough time getting leadership to take Cal classes, never mind CSM. I think the CSM's more important potentially than a Cal class. It's to understand and respect the role and understand their role in empowering and empowering those people to be able to do their job. In my experience, the biggest impediment to a product owner or a scrum master being able to actually do their job appropriately is leadership. So a lot of leadership that are in those positions here, you know, directors and above, 
they don't want to take a class that's a scrum master class. We have scrum masters for Call that. Call it something they different. Don't that. Well, they Dress don't. it up. That's make it saying. pretty. They, they don't have scrum masters for that, first of they all. Have, they have project managers I've, with I've a ne- scrum master hat on. I've, I've, never, I've never seen, yeah, I was going to say, right? I've never seen an organization yeah. that has leadership with that attitude that actually does have scrum masters. Yeah. They, they just have labels. That's so so make some pretty little like fancy dancy special leadership class that is basically just a CSM class. It's an introduction to Agile and Scrum. And they get to understand exactly what a Scrum Master does, exactly what a product owner does, and how they must support them, that they must empower and respect their developers, and that they we're going to be have self-organizing and we're gonna trust our teams, they're gonna learn about psychological safety. So I think uh, yeah, listen, we, we don't disagree. I'm just thinking that selling that two-day class to senior-level leadership is a taller climb than selling them a six-hour class that t- walks them through basics of agility, now, which includes their role in it. Yeah, It not, does include their yeah, role in enough. it. Yeah, now that I, do, I definitely do not disagree with. I, mm-hmm. I, I think the, the curriculum needs to be broken up in a way where you could break it up to divide it over the course of an entire week to get people who are otherwise very busy, read between the lines, like people who are completely slaves to their calendar who just can't break out. It's you a badge need, of honor for you, them. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> uh, you need to break it up where people that are in those positions can make time for it. Yeah. And it needs to be broken up that way. You know, Now, the way it's sold and, and that kind of stuff, like that's, that's yeah. it's just side the point. Uh, the point that we're on now is building a better curriculum Again, the reason I brought this up is I think that if you're going to build a base curriculum, I definitely agree with you. Agile fundamentals. Why are we doing this? You know, I mean, what what is agile? Why why are we doing it? I mean, where does it contrast and compare to waterfall or whatever whatever nonsense? I, uh, I, somebody, I wish I could remember the quote. Somebody who's talking about small companies is like the the most successful small companies. Like they, you think of small companies, you think of like chaos in their processes. You know what I mean? They just kind of are working on whatever lays fires. But like, if you really think about it, sit down and think about it for a second. That's actually not true. Like small companies, the lines of communications are, are, are much, much cleaner and shorter. Shorter? Fewer. Of fewer. Them. Yeah, fewer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when they have some something that is not covered in an existing process, it is much faster for them to just stop what they're doing, come up with a process for the thing that they've encountered that is new or not covered, and then get back to business. So the idea is you're, by introducing everyone to CSM slash, because now we've introduced like a Kanban training in the mix, it, by introducing everyone to like, these are the two processes that can basically cover everything in your business. And giving them a, a day or two to cover, here are the basics for each of these processes. Now you can apply them in your organization at different levels. And from those two, from the, from that from that one thing, from that fundamental class, now you get certifications. Now you you can arrange the basic process for whatever your company is using. Now from here you become a specialist. Do you want to become a specialist in the product domain? Do you want to become a specialist in the facilitation slash coaching slash scrum master? Like there's not a good name for it, right? Domain. Do you want to be a a specialist in the leadership domain? Those are the tracks. But uh, I mean, is that is that a better curriculum? You know, uh, like if if we can if we can uh, if Agile Alliance Scrum Alliance whatever comes to us and it's like you can change our certs. What do you think? 
Oh, Stormy, like what? What do you think? Like, give give me a a better track. Give me a suggestion. Like, what what would your suggestion be to for a better curriculum? A better curriculum than what they have would be to not compartmentalize from the get go. To your point, mm-hmm. you know, just have the basics covered so everybody at least understands the same language, right? And they're not lost when somebody says something. So when a developer hears, for example, value chain, they they don't go, "What the heck is one of those?" Right or, or roll their eyes because well, like, yeah or roll yeah, their eyes yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go yeah. right so yeah so for all of those purposes we we need a, a level of understanding it's sort of like learning your ABCs you know mm-hmm. otherwise you're not speaking the same language yeah. so do that and then synthesize on top of it to your point some things that go to more specificity toward development for example scrum masters coaching product ownership but I almost want to say abolish. Uh, those advanced level ones for the time being, let people grow at that point and then have them do the other. So if you came up through, let's say, a Scrum Master track, I'll call it that, have them take some classes later once they've matured a little on the product ownership class and have them play the role because it's one thing to sit in a class mm. and take a CSPO and it's another to play the role of a product owner. I'm not suggesting you throw them out to the wolves. Maybe a product owner can take them under their wing for a project for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that that's what I think might be worth doing. Okay, just an idea here. So we do a lot of, a lot of industries, they have cross-training, mm-hmm. right? So we will actually have, for instance, even in development, where we'll have developers who are working on something very specific. Maybe they're getting bored, maybe they're getting tired, maybe we need some cross-pollination. But maybe that's part of the requirements for elevating is the elevating kind of that career path, is being able to share that knowledge and pass that on to someone as a CSPO to a CSM or vice versa. So I don't know, just throwing some things out there. But yeah, that cross-pollination. And I mean, they're all part of the same team. And I think actually developers would be great to put in the mix here too. Not necessarily, I don't need need to as a PO to know development, but it wouldn't be a bad idea for me to sit with and understand understand the process and how they're going through and then the the same for them for me to really kind of understand that process that creates again empathy trust right so those things they they do help to build great team dynamics as well i agree play like almost like day in the life off but Mm -hmm. obviously do it you know over a longer period of time here and there you don't have to do that for a week sitting next to them but as a po for you it might be might be useful to know what they mean when they say, merge my code to the main line. Say, mm-hmm. what the heck's one of those? That sounds like a train station, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, right? So I think it's useful to at least normalize the language mm-hmm. and then see some of the challenges that they face, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And vice versa, I'm sure. Yes. What about the product managers out there that are like pseudo product managers? <laughs> like they're, they're they're actually product mark marketing, marketing managers. managers. Okay, so uh, yeah, first you need to define yeah, product manager. Yeah, you can't really. Well, the, like product <laughs> manager is like like I I can't think of like uh, I even think that Scrum Master is kind of more settled than product manager at this point. I think product manager is more in the wild west, kind of evolving than than even Scrum Master is because when I see product, even going back to the last podcast when you were here, Stormy, like the the 
there's a lot of product managers out there that they don't even have a development team. Yes. They, they just hand things off to the engineering manager and the engineering manager takes care of it. And then not only could they not hang in a technical discussion and they, w- they would not be useful in the discussion of the technical roadmap versus whatever roadmap versus features or whatever like that. They're just not even, they're not even interested mm-hmm. in being in that conversation. And their bosses completely support them of like, well, why would you get in that? You're a product, you're not technical in any way. Why would you be in that conversation? Like, I, that makes me super scared mm-hmm. because I'm like that, the, the, the quality of the product and the technical foundation on which the product is built is just as important of are we making the customer happy to me but then, like I, I understand, like somebody might be screaming at me in the comments, like writing angry tweets, of like, "No, Brian, you're totally wrong. You don't need to know any of that to be an effective product manager." Leaving, dropping marketing out, and then making twenty thousand more dollars or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. a, a, I think literally we could have an entire freaking podcast on this topic. It would be a rant. It'd be uh, a rant it would cast. be so that I have so many thoughts. Like I have, <laughs> like literally, I have so many opinions and thoughts on this. And particularly coming out of the the conference last week, whoo! And the transition oh, really? that I am witnessing happen, and the confusion and nomenclature between product owner and product manager, and what I seem to be witnessing happening, where product manager is becoming the term, yeah, right. which is overtaking product owner. And I have some really, I have some opinions on or yeah. hypothesis on why that's happening. But yeah, I've got some, I'm not even gonna get into it, but I got a lot to say about what you just said. I feel a future Randcast coming on. Good. <laughs> we do Randcasts on those. I, like, I need to collect my thoughts on that one because I feel to be able to portray that category in well on the podcast, I need to be able to support both sides before I bring it up, which I can't right now. But we haven't even talked about Jira. Let's talk about Jira. That's a whole other podcast too. No, that's good. No, I can't. Then I can talk about Jira. Like the the listen. Like if you want to badmouth Jira, you are on the right podcast because I love to badmouth Jira. However, right. However, I will say, Jira is like you. You could implement the most simplistic version of Jira. Mm -hmm. Jira Kanban board, Mm -hmm. and. Uh, Jira backlog and uh, have, like oh uh, don't add anything new to your workflow or whatever and have it be super basic and g- get your needs met. If you're going to overcomplicate Jira and have a bunch of stuff and add the time no, now yes. now now I I realize I'm making the case for Jira which scares me quite frankly. However, Jira does have some built-in fields that are bad. Okay, mm-hmm. some some time in hours estimation fields and stuff that are just like bonehead why did you add those well they don't have to be included you can turn them off yes but by default they are on okay why would you start with everything as a project in jira right well that's where i'd start forget about individual fields but talking about fields right so you could you could estimate in jira now in fractional story points Story points are confusing enough out there. Mm. Forget about fractional. Who cares? Who dies on that hill when it's two points or 2.5 points and well, not you, three? Well, you can turn off the story point field and not estimate. No, but you want that. You just don't want because, fractional. Well, that, again, <laughs> they, they give you an open field to do whatever you want with. If you wanted to uh, implement Jira in hardcore mode, I would turn off the story point field 
and just count that because their software inherently lets you count the number of stories. Sure. It lets you do your estimates by story points, hours, number of stories. So I would just turn off that hour estimate field and I turn off the story point field and I just do it in number of stories. And, I, and I'd, I'd set it to hard code and then I'd hide everything. I'd create business value, I'd hide everything else and it would be Jira on hardcore mode. And each team would have their own dashboard. Again, like again, it's it's there's a simple mode of Jira. Mm -hmm. Like again, the issue is Atlassian is one of those companies that like I I, I just went on I, I had in the last podcast. I didn't put it in the recording. I didn't keep it in the recording. But one of the last times we were here, I showed one of the one of the features that I had voted on that I I, I thought that would be very very valuable. And one of their product managers got on and was like, oh, we decided that we were, we're going to de-scope this and we weren't going to do it anymore because there's no, there's no, basically there's no money. He didn't phrase it this way, but he basically said, there's no money in this feature for us. Mm -hmm. And it basically was, was allowing you to create multiple dashboards that were aggregate between multiple teams up to a higher dashboard. So basically showing multiple teams on one dashboard together. Oh. And it would have been a very helpful feature. Mm -hmm. uh, again, there's no money in that for for Atlassian. So he, so he was the hatchet man for that feature. But I went and I looked into this particular. I'm not going to name him because it would just be a poor poor, poor behavior. Form. Yeah, you know, my poor form. Uh, but uh, he he had been like in intern like 18 months ago, and this is obviously his first job. He's just doing what he's told to do, mm -hmm. right? It isn't like you know, following a script. Yeah. But the funny thing is, I, I started like the funny thing with with paying for LinkedIn is it automatically like pops up his coworkers and all that. I started going through their backgrounds and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like all their product managers are all this like straight out of school intern first job kind of like do what I say or else. And I'm like, mm, I'm starting to get a good, starting to get a good scope of your organization and what they're really about. But I can't, like, I can't really blame it, Lassie. And like, they're they're not really, like, I, I I told somebody very recently, I was like, they're not like the the principal centered and driven type of agilist type of people. Like, they they may have been that type of company at one point. But I'm sure all those people are gone by now. It's it's the people that are like, if we sell the implementation, we got to get more butts in seats on the license so we can charge more, and then we got to force them to buy more plugins because we get 50% of every plugin that we sell. And like, that's their business model now. Mm -hmm. So every, much like the Instagram example I used before, like, because their incentive model pushes a certain behavior, the case for evil has <laughs> taken over rather than the case for good propagating forward. Like that it's that is that is the way that, that has happened. So I like to rip on Jira. My my real feeling is if you keep it simple, there are certain things you can do. There are certain plugins that actually are worth it. I on one hand can't bring myself to pay any money to, to Atlassian in any way, shape or form. So I work around plugins. But if you keep it simple, you can do it you can do the job. If you keep it simple, you can just use Trello. No, I hate Trello more than I hate your <laughs> People That's might be surprised nerve. by that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, let us know what you think about this and any other topics you want to talk about or you want us to talk about. That's a bad summary, but that's where we're at. I don't think I don't think there's a better summary, quite honestly. I like give send us your certification hate mail. I don't, like, if, yeah, you could do that. Let us know. Or oh, and subscribe and like. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Good good one. Yeah. Some subscription some some ideas on hey what your thoughts are and how that yeah, you might solve sure. this problem and keep trainers accountable or create some what's the 
what's the central location to make sure that to bring as far as reviews are concerned to so that we have an opportunity to go and look and have an uh, to to review these trainers in an appropriate manner yeah that that's funny that the 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 po certifications they don't have something as simple as a net promoter score for their POs. That's funny that the, they the don't. POs, the POs, the irony. Don't no. use, yeah, the irony of not. <laughs> yep. 